This is the High Hopes Podcast. High Hopes. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Philadelphia Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Yo! It is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. Jack, I don't feel good, man. Is it because the Michael Franco and Cesar Hernandez era is over? <laughs> it is uh, not. Though part of it is that the fact that Cesar is just leaving for nothing, which is like, great. That's real useless. No, I'm sick, buddy. This is my uh, my bloody sock game, my flu game. Wow. I mean, that's, I that, that's, that's a major dedication to the podcast. I mean, um, it's just let's go inside the podcast real quick. James was all set to be like, oh, uh, no, I'm feeling a little sick, feeling a little down. <laughs> And I said, I said, listen, we cannot let down the listeners of this podcast. I already put out the bat signal last night saying, hey, we're going to record a podcast tomorrow night. I didn't want to do that again. I didn't want to lie to the people for two times in three weeks. So, if so facto, James may not make it through this podcast, but we are recording it. Yeah, expect a lot of Jack in this one. This is going to be a Jack-heavy pod. <laughs> I'm, not gonna bring, I'm not bringing my A game, but you are right, Jack. As soon as Jack appealed to me and said, come on, man, high ups listeners, I said, you're right. This is what we gotta do. Yeah. This is like this is like back in the day when I used to do those solo pods where it was just me talking to myself. Well, that's what's funny minutes. is you might have done that a year ago. At this time, I was in the hospital waiting for Zoe to be born. So there's a chance you did a solo pod somewhere around here one year ago, Wait, Jack. You were in the hospital for the infamous <laughs> Gene Segura that? trade? <laughs> I guess so. Was it a year ago? Well, I remember I remember they traded Gene Segura, and you were in the hospital. Well, there so, you go. It's either that or McCutcheon. Because I remember I had, I had to do the McCutcheon podcast with Julio um, because you – was that? I don't know if that was when your face got bitten off by a dog or – I've had a lot, of, a lot of things happen in the last year to me. It's been a, it's been a big year for you. It's been a, it's been a year of change. Um, and, you know, I, I think you've really – Come out strong. I mean, your your high hopes performance has just been okay um, for the last <laughs> for the last year. But you know, I'm proud of you. A happy one year to Zoe. Is Thanks, today buddy. Birthday? It is tomorrow, the December fourth. So we're recording oh. it Thursday night, the fifth, the third. So yeah, she's uh, a few hours away from being one. How crazy! So is this that? is the this this is the Zoe Seltzer birthday podcast. Hey, look at that! That makes just, it a lot easier just, to power through, Jack. Just think, just think, James, 18 years from now, 17 years from now, when you're sending her off to college, you can say, hey, listen to this podcast <laughs> the, the day before your year birthday. Yes, that is that is exactly what I'm going to do. How about that? It's a really good, it's a really good send off. Honestly. Yeah. It's, it's like, what, what is wrong with you? Well, a lot. Yeah. Do you, do you think true. your voice is going to, do you think your voice is going to be as high as it is in 17 It's a great years? question. Um, I think so. Yeah, I think it persists, Jack. Mm, poor Zoe. I know. Poor everybody. I mean, can we just call it like it is? Poor everybody. Poor High Hopes listeners. But Yeah. They've know. been waiting for your voice to deepen. But. <laughs> well, I'm sick right now, so I think it's a little deeper because of the sickness. This is good. You know? Ah. Yeah, I, I, you do sound great sick. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> you, you, you do a great sick Look pod. at so, that. How about the Phillies? Should we, should we talk some Phillies? I mean, you know, we could just talk about me being sick for 30 minutes. That'll be good. Well, I mean, I don't think that people want to listen to that. But, I don't either. I don't um, either. We sure could if you wanted to. Um, so the Cesar Hernandez and Michael Franca era is over. Um, James, what are you going to miss most 
from the Cesar. Or not, not what we'll get to that. What is your favorite memory of the Michael Franco and well, Cesar a, Hernandez? It's a great question. It's a great question. I have a few. Um, <laughs> so uh, of the Franco era, one thing that that sticks out to me is when you were still on Michael Island, and I was yelling at you and giving you crap for it, and then. To eventually see you have to swim away as the island continued to submerge underwater. That was a pretty great moment for me. Yeah, so I'm not going to make it about me and you. Um, <laughs> um, no. Uh, so, so it, honestly, it's it's pretty crazy that we're at this point with Michael and, and Cesar. Like, if you were to tell me, you know, Cesar Hernandez has been a Philly since 2013. You know, and I remember the, the days of, of, like, Utley or Hernandez – like, remember how awful that was? Because, like, Chase was obviously hurt and wasn't the same player, but Cesar was objectively the better player at the time. But benching Utley to play Cesar was, like, it just hurt my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, Cesar, Cesar and Michael Franco have played so many games together as Phillies, and it was such a horrible period of baseball that they're going to be, <laughs> like, we're me and you are going to be doing this podcast in, like, 2040, and we're going to be, like, oh, remember the Cesar Hernandez and Michael Franco era? Um, it, I, feel, I feel bad for us in 2040. Uh, I know, but like that's that's f- four seasons together. You know, like four full seasons of Mike Alfranco and and Cesar Hernandez, and it's just over. And like it's crazy. Like that's the thing about baseball. Like 162, 162 games a year. Obviously, they don't play every game, but you're pretty much with these guys um, through most of their their 20s. And it's now coming to an end. And I mean, I'm glad it's coming to an end. I'm like, I'm not going to miss those guys. But it's just crazy. If you would have told me in, in 2015 after the um, after the Yankees series that. Michael Franco would just be released by the team at age 26. I would have said you were crazy. I mean, do you remember that Yankees series? Oh, my God. I mean, there was a time where we thought Franco was the future. I mean, that was the guy. That was the guy who we thought was going to be a centerpiece for this team. He was never He was never the same guy after those scumbags down in Arizona broke his hand his rookie year. Like, after they broke his hand his rookie year, Michael that's Franco a t- was a like, take I have not heard yet. Well, do you remember? I mean, they broke his hand. I mean, I remember how awesome he was when he first came up. Yeah, of course. I mean, he was the second biggest broken hand since Utley's in 2007. Wow. It it literally altered a guy's career. Um, The Michael Franco um, broken hand. So they're done. Um, It's. I can't believe they couldn't get anything for them in a trade. Well, I know they they could have obviously gotten some for Cesar a couple years ago. I mean, he's like a top 10 second baseman in baseball. And I think the thing that's most frustrating is, like, he put up back-to-back three three war seasons. Um, he was a top 10 second baseman in the sport. He was making nothing. And at that point, like, the Phillies weren't going anywhere. And, like, it was a perfect time to just sell high on Cesar and try to get something back. I don't know why they thought that, A, that they were close to competing, or, B, why they thought that he was going to be a, a major part of the, of, of the next great Phillies team especially when you have a guy in Scott Kingery that was a second baseman in the prospect or second baseman in, coming up through the, through the farm system. Like it, it, it was just, it's just surprising and it's pretty bad mismanagement that they couldn't get anything for Cesar Hernandez. And now they're letting a valuable player just go um, for absolutely nothing. It's, it's once, I mean, another part of the glowing Matt Clintac resume. Yeah, honestly, with every day that passes, and I know that, that it's been a while, but I feel more and more less confident in this 
front office's ability to make the right decisions. I mean, that's that's like easy stuff, you know, evaluating. All right. Is this guy a part of our long term, you know, core? Is he going to be here for a long time? No. Does he have value? Yes. OK, let's trade him like it. It's not hard. Like this is not something that should be a difficult decision. I, I'm. It's like again. Look, we're talking about Cesar Hernandez. We're talking about getting a, a B level prospect back at best, or or maybe a, a a middle reliever or something. Whatever. Like you're not talking about getting a massive haul back, but it's just another example of mismanagement, and we've seen so much of that from this front office. And, and again, it's a small scale example of it, but. It just it's just another nail in the coffin as far as I'm concerned in terms of my belief in whether Matt Klentak can do this job. I mean, that's really how I feel about it. Well, to me, it showed that Matt Klentak probably wasn't ready for the job. Like, a GM that has done this before knows when to sell high on players, and I think that's just showing the the youth of Matt Klentak. And maybe it maybe it had to do with they didn't really have a a analytics department built yet. They didn't know what they were doing from that standpoint. Like again, and this is this is kind of why I I give Klentak a little bit of a leash is that when he got here, there was absolutely nothing here. I mean, there was the farm system was meh. Um, they had no analytics department. They had no like infrastructure because they were not a modern baseball team when he took it o- took over, and that was just in 2015. So, um, it's it's not really an an excuse. Like I, I still think that if he was a you know a competent GM at that point, I think a Cesar trade would have happened. But again, like for them to hold on to him for this long, not be able to get anything for him leak that they were going to get something for him for the last three years and then ultimately just have to release him. That is pretty gross mismanagement of your, of your roster. So I don't know. And, and, the, and like Michael Franco, again, I think they held on to him another, at least a year too late. Um, but I guess, I guess with Franco, the, the, the case to keep him was always, if someone else figures him out, figures him out, like it's, it's, he's going to be a really, really good player. So I get it from that standpoint. But if you, if, if you think that, you should be able to get something for him in a trade. But whatever, they're gone, and uh, hopefully they don't make that mistake for you know a long time. Yeah, yeah. Let's just you know hope next time's better. I think that's yeah, a, a good philosophy to have here. Yeah, this is blind faith. I'm gonna close my eyes and keep going forward. So, what was your favorite moment of either the Cesar or I mean, pretty much the same era? Cesar, the longest tenured Philly, which is crazy to think about on the way out the door. Does, uh, he, does Cesar even have a moment? No. No. I mean, I, I really enjoyed that leadoff walk that one time that he got. I mean, I, that was that was stellar. I did really enjoy the uh, opening day home run against the Reds a couple years ago. Yeah. I th- Honestly, you know what's funny is when I think of Cesar, I think more about, like, the period this past season for two weeks when he forgot how to field. That sticks, uh, out, yeah. that sticks out to me where he kept going down to his knee to field balls. That was weird. Dude, um, he he forgot how to play second base for two weeks. Yeah, it it was like everything that he had been taught with baseball, he just forgot how to do. Yeah. And then and then and then he was fine. Like he was perfectly fine the rest of the season. It was just it was it was, he was developing into Markel Fultz right in front of our eyes. Are you gonna um, miss the walk up song, Jack? I'm I'm guessing that's gonna be tough. Oh my you. god, the walk up song. It's so awful. Like I literally think you can attribute the September collapse as the last two seasons to them being sick and tired of the Cesar Hernandez walk-up song. <laughs> like, it is such a depressing song that, like, 
no one would be ex- like even the pitchers are like well i guess i'll just throw five miles an hour softer and and tear up and then cesar couldn't even hit him after that like he couldn't square up pitchers who were literally crying on the mound so um i i do think that was a good time to move on when he could not face the pitchers that had tears in their eyes anymore huh. um but it was uh I, I i just for a guy that's played as many games as he has for the phillies for four four seasons going on five or whatever back 2014 when he played like 66 games to not have like a any like anything crazy happened that's like oh i remember cesar hernandez yeah it's a great point all all i remember from cesar is like oh he was pretty good for two seasons and he was able to got on got on base yeah cool yeah like i'll remember like in the Sabermetrics metrics community he was pretty good and and that's about it yeah, that's literally about it. Like Franco, Franco's Franco's got a bunch of moments, which is funny. You know, I mean, he's got a few walk offs. That one against the Marlins sticks out. That walk off homer where the helmet came off, and he's also, I mean, like you could think of uh, more than a handful of of really nice defensive plays that Franco made too. Those ones the, real the ones range the ones far to the you know in the outfield territory at third base and do the hop throw. He's good at that. Yeah, the ones that he can get to, he was yeah. very good at. Yeah, exactly. He couldn't get to anything else. Well, um, yeah. He did and his then, best I, and, I mean, my favorite Franco will it'll always be the 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 Yankees weekend in 2015. I mean, the Yankees weekend in 2015 is single handedly the reason why I never got off of Michael Franco until the bitter end. <laughs> because I was like, this guy was unbelievable. And yeah, I even though him. today's Michael Franco ate that Michael Franco, that should have been a tip off for you. But you know, yeah, that is that is definitely true. <laughs> um, <laughs> end of an era. Um, an awful era of Phillies baseball. Michael Franco, is he is he more disappointing than Don Brown? No, I mean, no. He, I, I, no. Don Brown was a top three or four prospect in baseball. Some Don places. Brown was that. Don Brown was right behind Trout and Harper. Yeah. So yeah, I would say uh, no. I would say Don Brown was more disappointing. Well, I don't know, man. Mike Schmidt had him as an MVP candidate. It's a good the point. Last three off seasons. It's a very and good point. And one member of this podcast that maybe is before this podcast existed said that um, <laughs> he could have been Adrian Beltre. And yep. I believe that was you. <laughs> yeah, right. Yep. You know me, vaunted <laughs> Franco supporter until the end. Always believed. Uh, and like, I just can't believe. I just can't believe that they just simply non-tendered the best eight-hole hitter in the history of baseball. <laughs> And I can, I also can't believe that the Reds overpaid for four for worse, sixty four. Yeah, for a worse Mike Alfred. Yeah, well, same guy, same guy. Same guy. Let's be same fair, guy. same guy. All right, well, let's let's get to some of that because um, I think uh, I know you feel very strongly, and and certainly the whispers, the the news seems to be going that way. But you think Didi's going to be the shortstop on this team? Yeah, I I think it's it's bordering on lock. I I feel. Really, really confident that DD is going to be the shortstop of this team. Um, and once you saw the stories starting to come out about Gene Segura and they don't believe that he can play shortstop anymore, and I mean it makes sense. He was getting on the on the pudgier side at the end of last season, um, and he just wasn't able to get to the same amount of balls as he was in in the, the years prior, I guess. And really, Gene Segura's best position probably is second base. I mean. Uh, he just has you know more range from that position and his his offensive profile actually profiles pretty well for a second baseman. Like if if you're adding a uh, 
like Gene Segura was obviously an all star and uh you know a consistent three hundred hitter. Like you're adding that to second base. That's that's pretty good. If you could put Didi at shortstop, and Didi's obviously an unbelievable, like a really, really, like he is. I've been like watching a lot of Didi the last couple of days, um, just because like I don't know, this is what I do. Um, <laughs> he he, he, he just uh, he, it'll be like watching. It's not the same thing, but he reminds me a lot of how J Roll used to play the position, where it was like like really smooth gets to everything every throw was just right on the money you never have to worry about a ball like like j-roll every single j-roll throw was like right at the chest and watching dd play shortstop it's like it's like seeing a taller j-roll um so i'm excited i'm excited from that standpoint um the offensive stuff i'm a little worried about um just because like if you look at his expected stats versus his actual stats like his expected slugging his expected woba there was a big differential between his actual woba and his actual slugging percentage um and when you're leaving a ballpark like yankee stadium which is obviously a lefty haven and it's not like citizens bank park isn't i just worry i worry what we're getting from an offensive side like i would i would be thrilled if for the next two seasons not sure about the third season, but at least the next two seasons, if I can get 270 and 25 home runs, like that's that's what they need from Didi Gregorius, and I'm not totally sure he can do that. Now it w- it is nice that in 2017 he did have way better road splits than home splits, which is, which is interesting because in 2019 it flipped and he or 2018 it flipped, um, and he had better. Uh, obviously he had better home splits than road splits, but 2017 he had another good offensive year and it was better road splits than home splits, which which is a good thing to see. It's good that he didn't just crush at Yankee Stadium and suck everywhere else. Everywhere else. So um, that's good. Getting Segura off off of shortstop is good. Um, I think they want to trade Segura and and just put Kingery at second base if they could. Um, but I just think that Segura is going to be a tough contract to trade at this point. I mean, fourteen million for the next three seasons. Um, but as a second baseman, like I'm kind of just fine with it. I've kind of just, you know, reserved that he's going to be our second baseman next year. So I'm excited about Didi. Um, I think Didi's. I think I think we're gonna love Didi Gregorius as like a baseball city. I've been talking to like my Yankees fan Yankees fan friends in the last couple of days, trying to get a gauge on on Didi, and they're all like, "You're gonna love him." Like you're just gonna, he's just a great clubhouse guy. And listening, like Joe Girardi, Joe Girardi was talking today. uh, I guess they had something at Citizens Bank Park, and Girardi listed off four qualities about Didi: left-handed power, outstanding defense at shortstop, strong work ethic, and he's really important for clubhouse culture. And I'm excited to have another guy like that. It's like I feel like it's like adding another um, Andrew McCutcheon. So uh, I'm excited for the Didi Gregorius era. Yeah, I am too. I'm not. I think he's a nice player. Uh, I don't think he's a superstar. Obviously, you know, I, I don't think he's going to get paid superstar money or anything like that. But no. I, think, I think he's a nice player. You know, I, I think he's an upgrade. I think, like you said, for me, the biggest thing is getting Segura off short. I mean, that's such an important de- defensive position, and Segura's just not good at it. So, you know, I feel, uh, I feel the same way as you do about that. And also, look, Didi's someone who has consistently brought it in the playoffs as well. It's a small sample size, but has been a, a star in the playoffs and given the opportunity. I'm never I mean, against getting someone like that. 
I mean, I think it's I think it's fair to say he's been the most clutch Yankee shortstop in the last twenty five years. Oh, I don't even know if there's a number two, right? I mean, he's just one, and then you know, yeah, way, I mean, weighs down. There's two. been an obvious hole at, yeah. at shortstop for the Yankees. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean not that that other shortstop could ever get to a hole, um, but <laughs> that that un- unanimous Hall of Famer who. <laughs> Looks like he was running in quicksand. Yeah, um, buddy. Um, that that slapped slapped singles to right field for three thousand hits. Um, you know, it, I it, I think it's definitely fair to say he is this the most clutch Yankee shortstop. That's good work right there. Years. That's good work right there. That's well done by you. Um, yeah, I'm in on Didi. I, I think it's an upgrade. Well, but, and and like with, with Didi, he is like he is the perfect stopgap for Bryson Stott. Like. Stott should be ready in two to three years, and then he can just come in. It's a perfect segue. You know, Didi's not so unbelievable that, you know, you're not going to, like, in three years, you're going to be dying to, you know, to keep him. Like, Stott will be ready to go in those two to three years, and he can just assume the shortstop role. He's he's the he's the perfect stopgap for, for this team at this moment. So um, it's not happening yet, but... It, like the Reds feel like they're out of it now. The Brewers are pretty much out of it now. It seems like, um, and like it's, it's like down to the Phillies or Yankees. It seems like, but it seems like the the DD thing could happen either this week or at the winter meetings next week. Yeah, I'm with you in the sense that I think it's absolutely going to happen. There's just too much smoke there to to not have some fire to it. And it is interesting uh, all the connections to Girardi players that we've heard. I know, I know the DD thing. Dellen Batantis, Austin Romine. We've heard a few names of guys who played for Girardi. What do you make of that? Uh, do you think that this is something where Girardi actually has input, or do you think it's something where there are players that the Phillies were thinking about targeting anyway, and they went to Joe, and Joe gave him a, a ring endorsement or, or what? How do you? Because it is interesting. Yeah, it's just funny. Like, it's not like. It's not like Jim Schwartz having to come in and teach a new defense to where it's like, oh, you'll go grab, you know. I need my guys. I need my guys. Yeah, like, yeah. like to run to run your system. Like it's not, it's not like that. You know, it's not like, oh, we need to bring in this guy and run Girardi's system. It's baseball. Um, but I do think that, I do think in, you want to develop a clubhouse culture right from the jump, and by bringing in guys that have kind of played under Girardi. Uh, I think it does help from a clubhouse standpoint when you're coming from from Gabe Kapler, um, and like if if you're if you're a younger player coming into a Girardi clubhouse, and you have Didi Gregorius there, you have Austin Romine, you have guys who and Delm Tanzas, like guys that have played under him, you can go to those guys and be like, hey, what is uh, what is what is Girardi like? Like, what does it mean when he does this? Uh, I, I just think it. It adds more comfortability because I mean players are going to want to talk to players if they're having trouble uh, or not trouble, but if they have questions, they don't want to go to the manager and you know c- come in from that standpoint. So I-, I think it just adds more to the clubhouse of like, what does this mean when he does this? What is he like? How can I help stick out uh, to the new manager at least for the first couple of years, not one year that that Girardi is here. Um, so I, I just think it's from that standpoint. And, and Girardi, I think he also wants guys that he can trust. I mean, he, he the Tantas flourished under Joe Girardi, turned into one of the best relievers in the sport. He knows how to use Dylan Batanzas. He knows where do he can trust Dylan Batanzas and what 
kind of ball game he can use Dylan Batances in. He knows that Austin Romine would be a solid guy behind the dish. And Didi, he knows, will be Didi. So I think it gives comfortability from the clubhouse and also the manager. All right, Fritz. Uh, more free agents have out there. Nothing specifically linked to the Phillies, though it does appear that Zach Wheeler already getting an over $100 million offer. Um, where are you at with Wheeler, Bumgarner, kind of the, the lower tier? Obviously not much has moved on the Cole Strasburg front or the Rendon front, though it does seem like the Rangers apparently out in front there, but who knows. Where are you at with the, the guys we talked about last time, the, the more likely options for this Phillies team? Yeah, it, it, I, I thought Wheeler – I thought the Phillies would be more in on Wheeler, and I'm a little surprised that they're they're not. I am pretty glad that, that they're probably not going to be the team that's going to give him 150 Me too. Yeah, like I like Zach Wheeler. Uh, I don't like him for $115 million. Like last year when Corbin got that contract, I at least knew that he was coming off a season where he figured it out. He figured out what he wanted to do from a slider usage standpoint. Um, so when, when Corbin signed that, I was like, oh, well, at least I know he'll be good for at least three or four years of that deal before year five and six. With Wheeler, I'm not even sure he'd be that good right now. And then you factor in the injuries and, and all that stuff, and I'm, I'm just pretty glad I don't have to talk myself into Zach Wheeler staying healthy. And, you know, hit. here's the thing that always worried me about Wheeler was that his stuff is – he's so good – like stuff-wise, mechanics, movement, percentiles of all his pitches. And he throws like five or six pitches. He should be better than he is. And there's clearly something that is, is off there. Like Wheeler should be dominant. And he's just never been dominant. And to give 115-ish plus whatever million dollars to an unproven guy, that's just not great, not great team building. The problem is, is the... The Phillies need starting pitching like everyone in the world needs oxygen. And they're probably going to have to pay now for prior success in a guy like Madison Bumgarner or Cole Hamels or, you know, the, the, the list goes on and on where it's almost like I would rather I would rather try to make like an interesting trade than sign. Well, I guess Hamels depends on the money. Like, I, I, like we've said, we'd be fine if they gave him like. 224 i guess at this point which doesn't look like it's gonna happen at this point but sure which is which is crazy but i would i I would almost rather trade for a pitcher that still is either at his level or has another level rather than go after these guys which like i just feel like we're getting another version of arietta and Baumgartner, I will definitely talk myself into massive Baumgartner if they sign him. Uh, if they sign him, it just feels like it doesn't feel like they're that in on Cole Hamels. It, it's weird how, to me, it's weird how inactive it seems like they are on the starting pitching it's market. It's so weird, man. Because they need two. They so, they have to make moves. What are they waiting for? Like, what is going on here? Well, I mean, I don't know. I. I don't care that they that it might take a little while. Like I'm sure they're in and they know what. I don't care is. about it taking a while. I just feel like they don't. They've not earned the benefit of the doubt from me. That oh, they're they're smart. They're evaluating the market. They've got their plan. Like I don't think they do. I have no faith in them to make the right decision. So why am I gonna like? I want action at this point. Like I want to see something happen. I want you to bring me a player who I can say all right. I like that. Now I'm going to give you another chance. Because right now, I don't believe in this front office at all. 
So you want to see? Yeah, I I get it from the standpoint of it. I'm not sure what the Phillies' plan is. Like, is there? Pl- I guess their plan is to sign Didi and then just have Kingery. Like, it feels like they don't even know what they really want to do yet. Um, I, I I don't know. It's it's really well. That's it's great. Re- well, it doesn't feel like they know what they want to do. I know. But it took them until 8 o'clock to decide if they wanted to non-tender Mike Alfranco and Cesar Hernandez. It's unbelievable. <laughs> like, what, what took them so long to do that? I don't know. Everyone in the uh, world knew they were going to non-tender those guys. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. I know. Um, but I don't know. There's a you, you know me. There's there's a part of me that always believes. I know it. Yeah, that, that I believe. Yeah, I know. I don't. I so don't. I just don't. I don't believe was in it, these guys. Was it was it the Clintac quote today that really set you off about uh, them not having any meetings set up with, with? Oh yeah, I saw that. That was great. That was awesome. I, Why would you? I mean, I mean they got it. They they have, they're, they have they're fine. Something. They're fine. <gasps> That's how I feel, Jack. You just want to move for selfish reasons so we can do an emergency podcast. Well, that too, obviously. But no, seriously, I want honestly, I want, I want to believe in them, and I don't. And right now, the inaction. While well, I see other teams go out and make moves, that sure, there's there's some that that maybe the price is high or whatever. But there are a lot of players who've been snatched up who I would have liked to have on the Phillies. Whether it's Chris Martin, whether it's Will Smith, whether it's Drew Pomerantz, whether it's Mike Moustakis, and, and I know that the contracts are what they are, but, like, go get me a player I want. Like, I, I know it sounds silly and simple, but it's I, I'm, I don't trust this front office. I just don't. I need them to prove it to me, and right now they're not doing anything. That's how I feel. Well, the, fr- the frustrating thing about the Braves thing, uh, and I'm, I'm fine. They didn't go after Will Smith just because, like, I didn't want to give a second-round pick for a closer uh, or a third-round pick or whatever, but – like the Braves went in this offseason and they they knew what they wanted to do and they went and signed Chris Martin, they signed um Will Smith. Like that was their direct plan from Jump Street. And that should make Braves fans feel better. And with us, it's like I don't know, are we gonna like Didi's a move? Are we gonna overpay for Madison Bumgarner? Are we gonna it's like there's so much hat like so much things going on in the air they have so much things they got to jumble around, but they also have to assemble a roster that has to be ready to win next season. And I, I the more the more you talk, the more I get depressed. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Whoops. So you get so, it's what you get for the for forcing me to do the sick Bob. What do you expect? Yeah, I don't. I mean, sick James is like is bringing down <laughs> the whole the whole room. I just you know? want to go to sleep, Jack. That's all I want to do is crawl into bed and die. That's what I want to do right now. It's eight forty-five, and don't don't talk about the Phillies offseason like that. <laughs> oh, Jack, they'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, you're like sipping tea, chilling. It's good. It's they'll good. be fine. Okay, okay. Do I sound confident? You sound so confident. It's really your 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 confidence is infusing confidence into me, Jack. <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 in. I believe. Thank you. I don't. So, what else you got? What's on your mind tonight? Otherwise, um, there's a lot of weird stuff that's going on. Like, like, there's so many think pieces around trades right now. Um, I don't know if you saw the one that the came passing out. one. Well, there's that, but there's that. But this was this was on Black Friday, um, where MLB.com put together uh, seven blockbuster trades for Black Friday or whatever, and they had a Phillies trade in there. And it was, 
Francisco Lindor for Alec Bohm and Gene Segura. <laughs> and and they so had the- ridiculous. I will drive to Cleveland right now and bring Frankie back with me. Like, really? Sorry, they Alec. The- I mean, I like you and all, but really? And they had the Phillies saying no. <laughs> which is <laughs> Which is it absurd. just it it declares it 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 destroys all credibility for that article. Period. It's done. I know. It's embarrassing. But I really want Francisco Lindor. Me too. Me too. I want him so bad. I want him so uh, bad. Yeah. So I mean, that was that was weird. And then the passing article today was really interesting. Um, had a lot of thoughts on it. I mean, there, there's a lot there's a lot of players available, and the Phillies. I would just like to see them get creative and there's, there's creative moves to be made out there. Um, for sure. Like there's just, there's salary dump potential. I mean, there's, there's trades for, I mean, they've, they've been linked to Whit Merrifield for a couple of years. There's, you know, big name guys that can get in on, on Frankie Lindor and, and Mookie and Chris Bryant. Like there's just, there's so much stuff that they can do. And I just have this sinking feeling that it's going to be like Didi, Batansis, Baumgartner, and like that's it. Like I just I have all these hopes of like a really funky, fun trade for an upside guy or taking a shot on one of the stars or, or something like that. And in my gut, I just think they're going to play it safe, take Didi, uh, take Batansis, sign a big pitcher and and like maybe sign another starter or, or just rely on Spencer Howard like I just I would love for them to do something cool and there's certainly cool moves to be made it just I just I just can't I just don't see them doing it and yeah that's, 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 that's what I'm saying that's exactly where I'm at that's literally where I'm at you just basically said what I've been saying now the winter meetings are next week and this could all change um and I, I, I cannot wait for the winter meetings. So we just, know. I'm, I'm, just, I, I think everyone who listens to this podcast knows that you've had that date circled on your calendar. You check it every morning. You're like, ooh, one day closer. Can't wait. Let's go. Well, it just, it just feels like there's gonna be a lot of, a lot of action this year. It seems like there's been more, in, there's been more action so far this off season than there was last off season, and that makes me excited. I think there could be a big move next week. I hope so, man. I again, like I said, give me something. Yeah, just, just something. All right, what else? You got anything else in the note bag over there? Well, I feel like we have to talk about this uh, right now. It's not technically in the note bag. Uh oh. But James, nappy. Oh, I was hoping we could go with the pod without bringing it up. <laughs> nappy <sighs> New Year. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to do to me? Are you try- like I- I'm here? I'm here. I'm gutting it out. I feel like death, and you bring nap in my face. It's messed up, Jack. Not gonna but lie. just think. But just think about this. You know, there's 160 at bats oh, that, he, that, that he's gonna have next year. Sweet, just, just 090 batting average. It's gonna be great. Just think about that. He's gonna be making 135 thousand more dollars <laughs> than Reese Hoskins. When you're when you're going to bed tonight and you're as sick as a dog yep. and you're thinking about, you know, your your future salaries and how you're gonna make money, just remember Andrew Knapp's gonna be making seven hundred. Why are you doing plus, this to me? Why plus, why? Plus, I, plus I tough the, it out. I got all I said I originally was like, I don't wanna do the pod night. We do it tomorrow night. 
And Jack's texting me sad faces and people need it. And I got it up. And I'm here. I'm doing it when all I want to do is be in bed. And you're, and you're needling me? Needling? You sound subject. fine. Honestly, you sound good now. <laughs> oh, you brought him nap. It gets me all fired up. <laughs> He's back. I hate that guy. I hate him. On the same day that the Phillies <laughs> signed. Oh, that's a great cough. Yeah, On the same day as the Phillies signed Jim Tomei back in the day, they also brought in Andrew Knapp for yeah. one more year. Say it with me, James. One more <laughs> oh, year. God. All right, I'm going to hang up on you. One more year. Up. Don't test Nappy me. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Don't test me. I will hang up on you right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right now that that is out of the way please what else you got can i go to bed nope i'm please. gonna keep you forever i, just wanna go to bed. I, I would <laughs> i would like to congratulate um future or, i mean former philly greg jeffries because he is a movie star was he in uh, the irishman i saw right or something like that yeah yeah john Solis pointed out on twitter um because i was watching this i was watching the irishman and now you know me I think all movies are terrible. I'm shocked you watch Irishman. That's like, uh, uh, what is it, three hours and 40 minutes? Like three hours and 40 minutes too long for you. Yeah, well, I also just, I like being a, being trendy. Uh, and I like, I like being up to date on modern things. And once I heard it was uh, set in Philadelphia, I was all in. Now, my big flaw with the movie was that they didn't have any Philadelphia accents in it. Yeah, that's and that's an issue. And I really wanted to hear some Philly accent. See De Niro um, busted out. Yeah. You yeah. 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 De Niro being like, yay, Fowles. <laughs> um, um, I, was also, I was also amazed at uh, De Niro's ability to just, you know, shoot bang, bang, dead. Like it was very, yeah. very quick work by Rob. So um, what was your overall takeaway without spoiling it for anyone, including me who has not seen it? Um, I don't like movies, yeah, but it right. was a pretty good. It was a pretty good movie. Ah, that's a ringing endorsement from you. Well, uh, that's like a I ringing like, endorsement. I like Joe Pesci. Uh, Me too. Was... Joe Pesci's great. I'm happy he's back. I thought he was dead. He's not. It's yeah. a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, I thought I, met... I thought it, I thought I thought his last movie was Home Alone. Honestly, wow, you missed a few along the way. Um, I met Greg Jeffries once. Nice. Well, Greg Jeffries was in a small scene in the movie where he was like uh, De Niro was watching the Phillies play, uh, and again didn't have a thick Philly accent, which was disappointing. Um, and I thought it was John Cruck. I thought it looked more Cruckish than Greg Jeffries ish. Um, but congrats to Greg Jeffries on being in The Irishman. And also, I'm in on more movies being on Netflix. Maybe I would turn back into a movie guy if modern movies were on Netflix. I think there it's a good There you point. go. Look at you. Well, they're doing it. So um, that's good. Uh, Gre- Greg Jeffries, you think he was a dick or a good guy? Greg Jeffries? I have no yeah. idea. Take a guess. Good guy. He was a really good guy. He was ah, super, good. super nice when I met him. Super ah. nice guy. So now I, now I now I can sleep tonight. Uh, <laughs> All right, what else you got? Uh, so the Phillies. What else are you gonna keep they, me awake with here? This is really really important. Uh, uh, this, this is so not gonna be important. The Phillies claimed Trevor Kelly off uh, of waivers. Why are you doing this to me? From the Red Sox. Can I get a bad man? What are you doing? <laughs> no, this is important. This is important. <laughs> oh God. Tre- Trevor Kelly. Uh, 
he had like a six plus ERA <laughs> in the in the in the big leagues last year for the Red Sox. So I honestly I'd never watched him pitch before. Um, so I went on Baseball Savant and just started watching some tape, and I finally came to the realization after watching about six clips that Trevor Kelly is the human embodiment of how Jack Fritz thought he was going to make it. To <laughs> <laughs> so okay, Trevor Trevor Kelly stole my idea of being a crossfire three-quarter arm slot guy that was just pretty much fastball slider except trevor kelly is doing it at 88 89 with pretty good rise to his fastball and a decent slider i was trying to do it at like 80 to 82 um so i thought that i thought if i ever was going to make it to the big league big leagues i was going to do it in a gimmicky way and trevor kelly is fulfilling my dream it's awesome man it's really, it's great stuff. Also, you done? I'm glad that it's Trevor Kelly and not Ty Kelly. There you go. Yeah, I'm not a big Ty Kelly fan, mostly because I hate the name Ty. <laughs> it's just an awful yes. name. So I'm yeah, sorry well, if I anyone know. listening is named Ty, but it's a rough name. Ty looks like thank you. It's just not a good name. Sorry. Uh, poor Ty Dobbert. Yeah. Um, uh, poor uh, Ty. What's his name? Uh, Burrell. Poor Ty Wigginton. Yeah, how about Ty? I own Ty Wigginton in fantasy a couple of times. <laughs> All right, um, and I'll say, oh, I want Taiwan Walker. That's one of my, my okay. Ones. I want Blake Trinan as we yeah, talked. Yeah, I want Blake. Tri- I want Blake Trinan too. Yeah, I take Taiwan uh, Walker. Why not? And my final thing here in the Jack mailbag is the Jack Fritz official trade of the week. Oh yes, I know the trade, but I'm excited to get it out there. You couldn't yes. wait. Jack came in and said, I got the trade, but I can't wait. I'm so excited to tell you something. I'm telling you now. Yes. So I am trading. Well, I'm not trading anything. The The Rays are trading me Kevin Kiermeyer and one of Shane Baz, Matthew Liberator, or Brent Honeywell. And obviously they're going to have to give up something better than nothing to get the first or to get either Liberator or Honeywell. I don't, I think Liberator is pretty much untouchable. Yeah. You're not getting Liberator in that situation. I don't, unless you give up something real valuable. I know. The idea of the trade being to take on Kiermaier's salary and get something back for doing that is the idea, right? Right. And the Rays have so much, like even if it's not, even if it's not Shane Baz or Brent Honeywell, it it, it could be, you know, it could be Yoni's Chirinos, um, I love, like, I love, I think it's Yanni Torinos, but either Yanni way, I, I love that guy. He's one of those guys you watch. You're just like, oh, like he's, he's got stuff. Like he's good. I'm a fan. And even if it's not that, it's like, you know, I, I would still love to, to try to get Jose Alvarado. Like there's just, there's so, they have so many guys that would be like, like Diego, imagine Diego Castillo. Oh my like, goodness. Like, like, dude, Trevor Richards is, like, pretty decent. He barely even sniffs their starting rotation. Like, it could be something as small as that. But I'm shooting big picture, baby. And if I can get my hands on a Shane Baz, a Brent Honeywell, like, they love Brent Honeywell, but he's had injury concerns. And with the Phillies' inability to really develop a starter outside of Spencer Howard, if I can give up, like, I would honestly, I would put Hazley in a deal to get back a Shane Baz – or a Brent Honeywell. Like, 
I want another frontline starter. And I think those guys could develop into frontline starters. And it's something the Phillies should be all over. I mean, I don't like the Rays are so cheap that I don't think they're pumped to be paying Kevin Kiermeyer, who's really not any good anymore, um, twelve million dollars for the next two seasons. But it's just like there's they've first off, just there's so many guys in the bullpen that are interesting. They have so many prospects that are interesting. They have so many guys. And I just I would love to see them take advantage of the Kevin Kiermeyer situation. Even if they don't put Hazley in a deal or whatever into straight salary dump, straight salary dump, Kevin Kiermaier could at least be a, a, a fourth outfitter that's a really, really good defensive player. So that's my trade of the week. Please do it. It's something a smart team would do. And as always, I just want the Phillies to be a smart team, James. I do too. I don't think they are, but I love that idea, and they probably won't do it. All right, I'm going to bed. You have a final thought, and if you do, make that, it quick. That, that was it. That, that was, was it. it. Okay, good, good. My you final go thought, bed. happy birthday, Zoe. I love you. You're an awesome one-year-old. Uh, I'm so going to bed. Uh, I love everyone who listens to this podcast. Thank you for gutting it out with me like I gutted it out. Um, Jack, whatever. All right. He's fed some, t- <laughs> some seltzer. We'll talk to you later.